Welcome to Defeat PPD, where we empower women to overcome anxiety and depression in motherhood without medication. I'm Arielle Wozniak, and I'm a maternal mental wellness coach, and I will be leading you through this journey. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Defeat PPD. I'm your host, Arielle Wozniak, and whether this is your very first time listening or you've been listening for some time now, maybe even since the beginning a couple of years ago, um, I am so excited that you're here and I'm happy that you have chosen to spend some time with me um, to talk about today's topic. And so what I really want to kind of talk to you about today is a question that I feel like we all have when we're in the midst of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. And that question is, how long does postpartum depression last? So that's the question that we're trying to tackle today. But before we dive into today's episode, um, really, I just want to Thank you again for spending time with me. And then also, if you have found any value in any of the information that I have shared, whether it be on this episode or on past episodes, my one request, and I always say one, but it's really two um, requests are that you, number one, would just rate the podcast. That helps me tremendously and helps the ministry more than you know by just rating the podcast. Let us know what you think of the content that we're putting out, the style of the podcast. Um, This is all information that's super helpful to us and also helps to spread the word to others about this ministry. And so part two of that is if you know someone who is struggling with postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, please share this episode, share previous episodes, just share information about this ministry and what we're up to. Again, it helps us more than you know, and we appreciate every time that you share it with someone else and allow this ministry to be a part of their journey in healing from postpartum depression. So that's my ask for this morning. And one thing that I just want to mention before I fully kind of talk through this episode is that I have put off recording this episode because there's some stuff going on with my voice and it happens every time I have a long training session at work and I just had a training session not too long ago that was almost eight hours and so when I talk for like eight hours straight my voice just is really tired and it starts to sound like I am a smoker and you'll hear it possibly throughout this episode but just wanted to give you that fair warning before you dive in. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about this question. How long does postpartum depression last? You see, the thing is that I realized really quickly when people are asking this question, it's usually because there's some lie that they're believing. And that lie is typically going to keep you paralyzed and keep you from taking action. The lie that I'm talking about here, it it goes something like, I have to wait until I'm healed. Oh my gosh. Until I'm healed from postpartum depression before I can X. Or I can't do X because of postpartum depression. 
And the reason why I know that that's kind of like the underlying thought behind it is because if you recognize that you were able to do whatever it is that you feel like you cannot do in the midst of postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, the question of how long it lasts would not be a question that it's asked quite so frequently. And if you allow allow this lie, this lie that you cannot do whatever it is that you think you can't do because of postpartum depression, if you allow that lie to take root, it can actually be the thing that stands in your way from getting healed. So early on in my journey with postpartum anxiety after having Kyla, I believed that I was not able to take care of her alone. I believed that I would only be able to take care of her on my own once I was over postpartum anxiety. And let me be the first to tell you that it simply is not the truth. I was completely capable of taking care of her as I was anxious and afraid. But the thing is, I allowed that lie that I believed to hold me back from actually doing it. There were so many times when I called in for help, I needed someone to rescue me because I felt like I can't do this. And I feel like it was a therapist who had actually pointed it out to me. And it was um, this idea that anxiety is is present and is so strong in certain situations because your mind literally thinks that you cannot do this thing and when your mind thinks that you cannot do something it's thinking life or death so what your brain has been kind of programmed to think is that if i do this thing i will die although you maybe haven't specifically said that by avoiding it, by thinking that you can't handle it. Um, Your brain is very black and white and it's going to think that if you are not doing this thing or if you think you can't do this thing, it's because it will put you in grave danger. And so your brain is assuming that you're going to be in danger by putting yourself in that situation. And so, of course, you avoid it, but it only makes it worse by avoiding that thing and by telling yourself that you can't do whatever it is. Um, and so if if you're believing that lie and you're allowing that lie to take hold, it's going to hold you back from healing in certain areas. And you can look at my story as a clear example. I believed I could not stay home with my daughter alone and I couldn't care for her. So I didn't actually do it because that's what I believed. Whatever you believe is going to determine how you behave. And the craziest part about it is that you actually have to start doing the thing that you fear to be able to get over the thing that you fear. Like I can give an example of this that's not necessarily fear-based, but take take exercise, for example. Many people think that they have to have motivation to exercise. When in reality, the motivation to exercise often comes from exercising. I'm right now in the midst of what I would consider to be like my 99th get fit journey. Um, And so I've learned a little bit of things about how you manage that process of trying to change your habits and um, exercise more and eat healthy. And the more I exercise, 
the more motivated I feel to exercise. And the healthier I eat, the more motivated I feel to eat healthy. And the simple fact is that you're going to be most motivated to do the very thing that you're doing right now. So if you want to change your life, you do have to change your actions. And so going back to my story with Kyla, I was most motivated to stay in that area of comfort where no anxiety is going to come in, or I shouldn't say no anxiety, but the least amount of anxiety is going to come in when I feel like I have those barriers up. I have people in place in my life that can help me to care for her. And so that actually stopped me. And what I didn't recognize in that moment is that I actually had to do the thing. I had to care for her alone to get the confidence to care for her alone. It's mind blowing. Think about it for a moment. So to get the motivation to exercise, you really have to start exercising. And to get the confidence to stay alone with your children, you have to stay alone with your children. It's like, it is one of those, like I think they call it a catch 22, but you have to actually do the thing to be able to do the thing confidently. And so I could give you a million, okay, maybe not a million, but I could give you several different types of changes that you could make but really today, what I want to focus on is the quickest change that you can make. The quickest change that any of us can make is in our physical behavior. I talk a lot about making changes in the way that you think and being able to better manage your thoughts and your emotions and all those things. Those are typically really hard work to kind of get under the surface and work through all of those things. But taking action, doing something physically, is actually the easiest part. And so that's what I really want to talk about for the rest of this episode is how do we make some quick changes, get some quick wins with our behavior? So number one thing that you have to do is you have to identify the behaviors that you need to change. If you don't know which behaviors you need to change, then you have no, no, no starting point. And so you may be able to easily identify some of the changes that you need to make, but others might be a bit more challenging. And so the best way to identify the behaviors that are not serving you is to think about how you're currently spending your time. What are you doing for most of the day? I can only speak for myself, but when I was experiencing postpartum anxiety, I know that I spent like at least 90% of my day engrossed in activities that brought my mood further down. I can literally recall one day where I sat on the couch for at least six hours straight researching, and that's on Dr. Google. If you're a researcher, get off of Dr. Google, um, but researching different solutions for postpartum depression. I found several doctors. I filled out information forms for multiple places. And I even printed off this like 10 plus page document for um, an application to an inpatient program. Did all of this work to try to overcome postpartum anxiety. Meanwhile, I had already begun seeing a therapist. I just felt like it wasn't working quick enough so I needed to find a solution. Have you ever like worked out for a week and <laughs> you step on the scale only to find that you are pretty much 
the same weight that you were when you started at the begin beginning of the week? That was literally me. I was going through this process for, I don't know, probably a week, two weeks and not seeing the changes that I wanted to see quick enough. And so I immediately was like, eh, this is not working. Gotta find the next thing. But you have to give it some time to actually work. I feel like in our generation that we have very unrealistic time frames of how long something should take. I actually went to um, this like weight loss place the other day to get this like special measurement um, of your weight. It was like measuring, I don't know, your water weight and all these other, I don't know. It's a whole one page document of all the fitness stuff. Um, and I was talking to the guy who owns the place and he's like, hey, so what are you doing right now for your exercise? And I tell him what I'm doing right now. And he's like, okay, that, that sounds good. Um, so how how is that going for you? And I was like, eh, I mean, I'm not losing as much as I would want to. And he's like, how much have you lost? And so I tell him that I've lost about 19 pounds since August of 2021. And he looks at me and he's like, are you crazy? That's so good. That's amazing. That's how, like, that's more than a lot of people would lose in that time frame. Like, that is a good amount of weight that you've lost in the time frame that you did. And he started to talk to me about how unrealistic my goals were. And that's why I felt like I was failing because these, I had these unrealistic expectations of how quickly I'd be able to lose weight. And if you have been listening so far, you notice that I am very low patience in terms of like how long I expect things to take. So if you're low patience and you're, you're there with me and trust me, I understand. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to really feel like I need this to happen now and for it to not happen now. But going back to my story, there were days where I barely got up from bed. I would spend hours just scrolling through social media, looking at all the perfect moms who had it all together. Um, there were also days when I didn't shower or I didn't even eat. My family would like invite me to the dinner table and I'd decline. I just didn't feel up to doing it. Or they would bring me snacks in the room where I was literally for the entire day and I'd barely get through one bar and not really drink anything for the rest of the day. And I'm sure that your story looks different than mine, but we all have some behaviors that are not beneficial. Laying in the bed all day, not beneficial. Scrolling your phone all day, also not beneficial. Comparing yourself to others, that's a little bit of a mental and maybe physical because you have to see something to compare yourself to it but still not a beneficial activity for you. So your job is to identify the behaviors that are not serving you. Identify any behavior that is not serving you in this season of life. And if you're having trouble listing out behaviors, I would encourage you to do a time study. Essentially, a time study is where you're writing down literally everything that you're doing for the day and how that makes you feel. 
And if you're a fan of The Office, like I am, then you may remember an episode where Jan, she is, I'll try, try my best to explain this for those who are not Office fans, but essentially um, within the context of The Office, it's a, a paper company where they all work. There's a boss, his name is Michael, um, and he has a bunch of employees on his team. He manages The Office and doesn't do a great job at it, um, but there's uh, a receptionist, her name is Pam, and so Jan comes into town. Jan is Michael's boss. And if you recall, Michael is the manager of the branch. Jan comes into town and she tells Pam, the receptionist, to keep a time log of everything that Michael does hour by hour so they can analyze it at corporate. In this situation, you are Pam. You are going to keep an hour by hour log of how Michael also you, spends his time. So I want you to track everything that you're doing and then attempt to measure the value of those activities. In other words, you're asking yourself, was this a good use of my time? And if you find that the activity is not a good use of your time, then you would jot it down as a behavior that you need to change. It's a pretty simple process, but it takes work to actually do it. And so if you're someone who's like thinking right now, I don't know exactly which behaviors I want to change or need to change or the ones that are not serving me, then I would encourage you to plan out for three days this coming week to track your time. Just three days. That should give you enough information about kind of how you behave. I would encourage for it to not be three consecutive days because a lot of times once you kind of get used to the process and maybe you'll change um, the way that you're spending your time, I want this to be realistic. You need it to be realistic of how you're spending your time currently. Try it out for three days, hour by hour. Track what you're doing, seeing if see if there's value or if those activities are actually serving you. Once you know the behaviors that you want to replace, the question becomes, well, which behaviors do I want to have? What do I want to do? One of the questions that I love to ask both myself when I was struggling and I asked clients is, how would you behave in this situation if you weren't struggling with postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety? When you ask yourself that question, you open your mind up to dream of what life would be like and how you would behave without this thing kind of weighing you down, if you will. And so when I went through this activity now over three years ago, I came up with a long list of all the things I'd do if I didn't have to deal with postpartum anxiety. Some of these things were really small, like getting up every morning and showering. Other things were bigger, like I would, allow my husband to return to work full time while I care for the kids on my own. But I just didn't filter myself as I dreamed of all that I would do if postpartum anxiety weren't in the picture. So I want you to do that same thing. That's how you're going to determine which behaviors you are going to put in place to kind of let the other behaviors go that you don't want to have in your life. So ask yourself, when it comes to postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, is there anything you currently feel like you can't do 
but you want to do? Add those things to the list. So it's two questions here. How would I behave if postpartum anxiety or depression weren't in the picture? And or um, is there anything I feel like I cannot currently do, but I want to do? Add those things to your list. And this list is going to be called, become what we call a goal sheet. This is where you're going to be working from for the next couple of weeks. If you really want to start getting some healing immediately, make this your goal sheet. Once you have all the activities on there, I would encourage you to take a moment to actually organize this list from easiest to hardest. We want to, again, the goal here is to have more of those quick wins. And so I am constantly preaching that you know, this takes time and I want you to recognize that it's going to take time. But there are some things that you could do that could be, again, those quick wins that give us a little bit of that motivation, because again, motivation is going to come from doing that thing. And then that's going to help you to continue on this journey. And so what I would recommend doing is to, like I said, organize it from the easiest to the hardest so that we know which order we want to tackle these behaviors in. So in my case, it was taking a shower in the morning and eating three meals. Those were the easiest behaviors that I had on my list. However, I've worked with some clients where the daily shower is a challenge. And so I don't want you to get stuck in my story and feel like, oh, well, I immediately have to start with these actions here because they were easy for REL. No, this is unique to you. So your rating system is unique to you. What's hard to you might be easy to me and vice versa. So make your list and organize it based on what you believe to be the easiest. And then number three, you have to actually make the changes to your behavior. So once you have that organized goal sheet in hand, you're ready to make some really quick changes. And so my recommendation and I feel like anyone who does any sort of coaching or therapy for anxiety, depression would have this same recommendation here to focus on small, consistent changes versus one time drastic changes. That one time drastic change may feel like the right direction, but we really want to do smaller things first and build our way up. So it's worth repeating. Focus on small, consistent changes. I know that's hard. I understand how hard that is. But when you try to focus on this drastic stretch goal as your first goal, number one, it could really work out terribly. Like if you aren't able to meet that stretch goal, then in your head, you're like, man, I failed. Let me not even try to do this ever again. So that can be like number one kind of thing that can happen there. And then also that doesn't build up the consistency for you. And so you may just end up right back in the same place. And so I would recommend pick one or two, just one or two behavioral changes from the top of your list and commit to them for at least the next 21 days. If you're thinking about like habits and building habits, there's been so much research out there that proves that you have to do it for a long amount of time. And I say long, but it's really not that long, like in the 
the grand scheme of life, but you have to do it for at least 21 days. Most would recommend three cycles of 21 as like the minimum amount of time that it would take for something to get solidified in your brain as a new habit. So at least 21 days. I think that the mistake we often make as the microwave generation, and I'm including myself here, is that we want the results like immediate. And unfortunately for us, these things take time. And so they're going to be the quick changes, like I said, things that you can quickly make an impact with, but still they take time. It's not quick like I put in the microwave for two minutes and it's done. It's quick like 63 days quick. <laughs> so for some of us, that still seems like a, a long time. But again, it's in the context of life here on earth. That's not a long amount of time. It's not a long amount of time to commit. And so what you have to just recognize is that you may not see the benefit of changing your behavior for two to three weeks, sometimes more. And so you just have to be committed to the journey. You have to trust the process and you have to keep going. Do not give up. Promise yourself right now that you will not give up. You will continue going until you get to a better place. And I don't wanna say until you like reach perfection or everything's great because when you get down the road, there'll be some other challenge to face. That's just the way that life works. And so right now we're just going through this season and we're gonna grow through this and keep our eyes focused on getting through this valley that you're in currently. And I would highly recommend using some sort of daily tracker so that you can keep track of the behaviors that you're actually um, trying to carry out every day or every week. Some of these behaviors may not be daily behaviors. Some of them may be weekly behaviors. Um, and so you wanna keep track of this and make sure that you're actually doing it. And then also you should evaluate your progress weekly. And the reason why I say to evaluate your progress weekly is because we get attached to the negative. It's just so natural for our mind to go to that negative place and to think, wow, um, I mean, I'm not seeing any changes. Things are terrible. The scale hasn't moved. <laughs> Going back to the, the whole weight loss thing here. But if I were to check in every week, I may notice that I have a little bit more energy. This week I had a, a couple of moments where I kind of saw myself sh shining through. You know, so you really wanna make sure that you are keeping track of your progress. And I want you to celebrate every small win. It's not a small win. And as silly as it sounds for me, I celebrated showering for a week straight. That was like celebration, throw a party, you did amazing. And I want you to do that too. I want you to be proud of yourself to sticking to your word and doing exactly what you said you would do. I also celebrated eating three meals a day. Celebrate every win. Like I am so serious. Don't breeze past it. Truly celebrate and say, you know what? I actually did that thing. I actually showered for three days. I actually ate three meals in one day. Or maybe you ate two meals in one day. Still celebrate you are further now than you were before. It might not seem like much, but these seemingly small actions are what changes everything. So whether or not you know it, 
Your impact, your behaviors are going to impact your emotions and vice versa. So making these small behavioral modifications over time is what's going to change the way that you feel. So if you're ready to get started with your behavioral modification journey, be sure to check out our programs on our programs page. It'll be, a link will be in the show notes so that you can easily get to that page and go and apply for one of those programs. But just keep consistent on the journey. All right, let me pray for you before we end today's episode. Lord, I just thank you so much for this message that I know that you have spoken through me today to your daughters who are listening on this podcast. I pray, Lord, that they would be encouraged through all of the small steps, all of the 1% closer actions that they are taking, Lord. I just pray that they would remain encouraged and that they would not get tired, not grow weary of doing what is truly good and is going to get them to that place of healing. Lord, I just pray that you would bring alongside people who would help them in this journey and would continue to carry them, continue to encourage them as they make these small changes and just believe that the manifestation will come down the line. I pray that you would continue to fill them up, Lord, that you would give them just faith to believe that this is not the end, this is not forever, and that it will get better. Again, I thank you so much, Lord, for allowing me to speak into them for these past 30 minutes or so. And I just pray that you'd be glorified through this podcast and through everything that this ministry does. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right, ladies. Well, I will see you on the next episode. Again, if you need anything, please do not hesitate to reach out to us and be sure to check out our programs page for all of our current programs. Have a great rest of your week. Bye.